This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is one of the best places on the internet for recruitment content. Of course, one of the reasons why I decided to partner with them is crucially, we share a common goal to help recruiters get better at their jobs. Hunted write about everything you can need in your career, from productivity hacks to helping your time management to TED Talks and reading lists. They offer in-depth insights into worldwide destinations and, of course, there's everyone's favorite recruitment wolf, Mr. Ed Hunter, who's not quite as scary in real life, but that is a story for another time. If you haven't yet checked out Hunted's content, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today is um, an exciting episode as I'm joined by Mitch Carter, who is on the other side of the world in Melbourne. And uh, Mitch is a principal consultant for an agency called Q1, who are um, a professional services recruitment agency that specialize in cyber security. And you're based in uh, Melbourne. I am indeed. Good day, Hisham. How are you doing? I'm really good. I think, obviously, if I start doing more of these podcasts, that's how I'm going to be greeted, isn't it? Good day. Uh, you, sh- you, should, you should say, how are you going, really? <laughs> I've, uh, I've, let the te- I've let the team down there. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, look, I think, obviously, Mitch, it's um, exciting to have you on the podcast. I know, obviously, we've been speaking it's a pleasure for, to be on, mate. Speaking for a while. So, uh, as I was saying, look, this, this is uh, something that I definitely want to do more of, get, get more people... Um, obviously on the podcast who are based internationally so obviously typically we'd be sat down face to face but instead we're we're over on a, a video call so um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh mate me too. So uh, as I was saying and as you'll know where, where I always like to start with with this podcast is how how did Mitch Carter end up in the uh, wonderful world of recruitment? Um, Start there. How, how did you get into recruitment? Okay. Um, well, to be honest, mate, it was uh, back in 2015. Um, I worked for, for a travel agency um, selling East Coast trips to backpackers. Um, and I was also doing a lot of the recruitment as well. So we had quite a high turnover. Um, it's, uh, we hired backpackers, backpackers buy from backpackers. Um, so, yeah, we had quite a high turnover, quite pretty much volume. Um, but, but recruitment on a very basic level. Um, okay. good friend of mine, KB, uh, shout out to KB. Um, he gave me a call. So I was working down in Melbourne, um, and I really wanted to get back to Sydney at the time. Um, I was sponsored visas are a, a bit of a nightmare over here. I don't know how much you, you know about it. Um, but yeah, I was sponsored. So basically I was on a four year, uh, visa, uh, with a job. And then he called me from Sydney and said, look, I've just started working for this firm. Um, we're doing recruitment. It's, it's very straightforward. I think you'd be really good at it. You're, you're a people facing person. Um, are you interested? And the first thing I did was Google, what does a recruiter do? Um, <laughs> because although I did do a bit of recruitment and training, it was a sales role that I was in before. So um, I'd worked with him at Greyhound. Uh, so he said, look, I think you'd be great. So I had a call with uh, one of the managers, Phil. Um, and he basically said, look, we recruit IT. This is what we do. This is, this is how the business works. This is how recruitment works. Um, are you interested? And I said, yeah. He said, what area? So I think he gave me three areas, which was uh, security, digital, and there was one other as well, which I can't remember. And he said, look, go away, research them, and decide what you want your vertical to be. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of went from there. I, I got hired over the phone um, and then started as soon as my visa had transferred. So it took, um, I don't know, it took about six weeks. Um, okay. And then I, uh, I started the wonderful world of, of recruitment based in Sydney. Okay. So... So, um, and then obviously before then you lived yeah. where? 
Uh, so I was in Melbourne. I jumped around between Melbourne and Sydney quite a lot. Um, I'd moved to Melbourne uh, to get sponsored to open a, uh, one of the stores for Greyhound. Um, and I just I didn't really get on with it. I had a lot of mates still in Sydney. Um, although I did actually meet the missus while I was in Melbourne, which was great. Yeah. I, I had my heart set on Sydney before that. Really? So yeah, KB just, just said, look, this, this is, this is the role for you, mate. It's, uh, it's client facing, there's loads of money to be made, which as we all know, didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you'll bill X amount in your first year. You'll make loads of money. What car do you want to buy? Um, and yeah, it's with the dream. Okay. Yeah. No, it's just really interesting there. So what I was just keen. To, so what year was this? So the, it's really interesting. There, this where you, was, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I, so this was um, between 2015, 2016. Yeah. So, so obviously the conversations are happening. See, no, it's just really interesting because I was, I was just trying to obviously um, ask you a bit about where you lived in the UK and you still stayed, talked about Australia. So you obviously view where you live now as home, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's crazy. No, I, I, I see. I, I grew up in England, but now I live here now. This is, this is home. Yeah. That's um, crazy. That's... It's, it, it's yeah. I'm originally from Essex. Yeah. Um, lived in Canary Wharf for a little bit, did the whole London thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just went, oh, I need to, to get away for a little while. Where can I start? I'll start in Australia. It's the furthest place. Uh, came up for six months and that was six years ago. Yeah, so that's um, crazy. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure there's yeah. just so many of those stories, but that, that's just really interesting yeah. that you, yeah, you went in. So, okay, cool. So what I'd love to just, before we dive into, obviously all the, the recruitment stuff, your first year and these types of things. Yeah. What would be great, just for, I think, people's benefit as i said before we started a lot of people that listen to this podcast are um in australia but predominantly is, yep. is people in the uk and obviously australia is full of people originally from the uk working in australia right from <laughs> especially one, so in the recruitment world yeah exactly especially in the recruitment world i haven't actually been over in australia that that's definitely on the, the to-do list next year so i guess what would be great because you just mentioned there that you was you was really set on working in sydney you said yeah, but you had a period in yeah. Melbourne, yeah. So, yeah, Mel so Melbourne and Sydney, what's the difference? Oh, um, Melbourne's good to visit. Uh, Mel Sydney's good to visit. So Sydney gets good weather all the time. Um, the beaches are unreal. You, I think you can go to a different beach every day in Sydney for years. Okay. Um, the, the the opera house is pretty. The opera bar is nice. But Melbourne's Melbourne, I think, is much much better to live. Um, the biggest difference, Melbourne's very European feeling. Um, okay. So it's very, the architecture's good. The street art is unbelievable. The cafes, the coffee, restaurants, bars, like the, the actual culture of Melbourne is, there's much more culture. Really? Um, Sydney is, is very, Sydney's very pretentious, really okay. pretentious. Um, it's, it's much more about what you look like. Um, especially in like the eastern suburbs where a lot of the English people congregate, uh, Bondi yeah. and the, the surrounding suburbs. Um, yeah, it's just it, in Melbourne. I think the, the way that I describe it is, is if you wandered outside down the street in Melbourne in a plastic bag, you, you wouldn't get looked at twice. Um, <laughs> in Sydney, if you if you don't go out doled up to the nines, then uh, people will judge you and and uh, look at you different. Okay, so and then to tend so then you, just to help me understand, so then you so you worked in uh, a recruitment agency in Sydney for how long? I was there for. Oh, it was just over three years. And then, and then you moved to Melbourne. Worked. Yeah, no. So I, well, I moved to Melbourne with my old company. So okay, yeah, yeah. I was working, I was working in Sydney, did a couple of years. Um, my uh, girlfriend had moved up uh, to, to be with me up there. Yeah. She hated it. Um, she, she, within a few months was like, I do not like this, this city at all. Yeah. Um, can we move back? So I spoke to the director of Continuum, just said, look, I want to go and open a, a Melbourne branch. Um, I'm desperate to get back there. Uh, Sinead's not happy. So he went, yeah, go for it. So I came down in March this year and then I started my new role in August. Okay. So cool. and that's still in Melbourne, new role yeah. a few months after I got down here, still in Melbourne, only in Melbourne really. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and if just, just to sort of finalize this point then any, um, I'm assuming that, I mean, any differences in terms of working in Sydney, I'm working in Melbourne. Yeah, so Melbourne, I, but do you know yeah. what I mean? What are the main differences there for people to yeah, think about? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, Sydney is a lot similar to London. Okay. So Sydney's a much easier transition for people coming out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but people love Sydney, mate. People move to Australia for the weather. Um, they move here for beaches. They move here for the sun. Um, and so Sydney's a, a, 
um, that's why it's a much more popular option. Yeah. Um, Melbourne, it, the beaches aren't as good. The weather's not as good. I mean, it's still we still get a good six, seven months of summer, um, but it's 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 a bit colder. It gets a bit colder during winter. So it it a lot of people choose Sydney for the weather and the beaches. Really. Okay. When you think of Australia, you think of of sun and beach. Yeah. But and then when when you're yeah. when you're an English person, you've been in Australia long enough, and you don't think UK's home anymore, you move to Melbourne. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't like sand, so the beaches. <laughs> really? I'm not a massive beach fan. No, I, I like being in the sea, but sand just gets everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. So it's, it it depends what you're after, really. I I can understand why people live in Sydney. I lived there for a few years, but I just think Melbourne feels. Like, I just feel home when I'm here. Nice. And actual work-wise, as recruitment-wise, and the security industry, I, I can only really speak about recruiting in IT and security. Mm. Um, and the security market in Melbourne, there's about 5,500 people. Yeah, okay. So it's a very small market. Sydney's very saturated. There's a lot more companies. There's a lot more recruiters in the area, in the space. Um, and I guess candidate-wise, there's a, a lot more candidates um, from overseas relocate straight to Sydney. Yeah. So it's a lot It's a lot harder to tell if they're, if they're going to be any good. It's less likely that they've done the rounds. Um, and and it, it's a, a very small incest little market in Melbourne. Um, mm. So it's just a, a lot it's a lot it's harder to recruit there's less to pick less candidates but it's uh it's much more of a community okay that's really interesting okay so why did you pick cyber security then when you when you got told to go away research what what led you to 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 pick that out of interest um to be honest i mean i i did it at school i've never really been a technical person so when it came to to go into an it recruitment company it was kind of at the time in my mind it was picking the best of a bad bunch because um, mm. I didn't know a single thing about it. But I went off and did some research, realized that that back in um, 2016, security was kind of not just coming up, but it was such a fast growing industry. Mm. Um, I looked at the trends and I looked at where the world was heading from a security perspective and it was quite a scary place. So I realized that the spend compared to your, your traditional, any kind of infrastructure IT like devs or or anything, anything more general IT, um, there's no real sort of, I couldn't see that there was going to be much of a, a growing market. Okay. Um, security with the budgets that were forecasted, the money that was being thrown at it by the government, um, the, the fact that there was more breaches happening and more, uh, um, like more hacks happening every day. Sure. Um, it kind of just looked like it, that was the place to be. Um, mm. There was no one in Continuum that did it or even really sort of tried to, to give it a go. So it was a bit greenfield. But yeah, mate, it, it was just kind of a, a bit of a dart throw, kind of guided by Phil, the manager at the time. But it, it, I just, uh, after I did a bit of research, it just made sense. Okay, and you've been working that market now for... Uh, three and a half years. Three and a half to f- four years. Okay. Um, in, in yeah, three and a half four years in in Melbourne for about six months. Okay. So predominantly, predominantly that. Okay. So predominantly, it's, it was the Sydney market, and then obviously when you moved over to Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All I right. did. I did do a bit of Melbourne stuff when I was uh, in Sydney. Um, mm. We we quite often work work roles down here, but I wouldn't say I was in the industry part of the industry until I got here. Okay. So. One of the, so that, that's really interesting. So I guess, um, so ultimately you built that part of the business from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. completely. So that's, during that's, Sydney, I, I had to do that and, and then I had to do it again when I was here. Okay. So that's exciting. yeah, I've had to do it a couple of times. And, um, just to help me out. So has it always been predominantly perm or has it been contract and perm or has it been more contract? It's a mixture of both. Um, I did more contractors when I was at Continuum, okay. and I'm doing a bit of both now at Q1. Um, okay. It's, it, there's there's no real um, there's no real way that it leans. It's more time of years compared to end of financial years, budgets, all that kind of stuff, really. Okay. Um, and obviously, whether it's project or uh, whether it's project work or BAU. How were your first twelve months? <laughs> um, the first few people I placed were in real estate. What do you mean? Um, the, the first few placements I made were, were in real estate. So I started at Continuum and, and uh, one of the more senior people, she, she picked up a, a company called Purple Bricks as a client. Yeah, yeah. They're over um, in the UK. It, it, the, the disruptor. Yeah, so they came over here. They've actually closed doors now. Um, but they came over here and she was one of the first um, recruiters they got in contact with. 
And so the first, I think, I think I made four or five placements with her, um, all estate agents. Wow. <laughs> so that was, that was within my first, I don't know, four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, then as soon as I started working uh, within security, it became a lot harder. And my first 12 months, honestly, were, were pretty pants. Really? Um, what, was, how, what did you do yeah, billings-wise? Oh, probably, do you want the Aussie or, or the pound version? Do both. <laughs> um, Just do both, probably, yeah. Probably about $60,000, $70,000. So about 35, 40,000 pound. Okay. Roughly. All right. Um, so not nothing special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, we we the the estate agents were fixed fees of about three and a half grand English. Yeah. Seven thousand um, dollars. So they were fixed fees. They were split as well. So it's fifty fifty. Um, and so yeah, it was. It, I worked a lot of uh, uh, small fee roles. Um, and the the contract stuff that I did was was low margin. Really. Um. Not not the best first year, mate. No, I definitely didn't buy a car or a Rolex or go on holiday. <laughs> so, okay. So let, let's just talk a bit about this for a second. So how yeah. did you, so obviously, so it sounds like you've got a bit, a bit of experience in terms of resourcing, working on some jobs that other people had. And then, and then after that yeah. period, as you were just saying, you then really focused on the market that you researched and obviously started to build that out. So how, how did, how did you approach that? Cause that's, that's from scratch, right? So how did you actually yeah, approach that, yeah, that in, was... in the, in the, uh, Oz market? Yeah. Okay. So I, it came about, uh, so I started in, um, August, September time and then it was around the January. I, I had a role. Um, so Sydney's a couple of hours away from Canberra, which is the capital. And that's okay. where all your government agencies are. So that's okay. where Department of Defense, Department of Human Services, all the all the government departments uh, sort of headquartered in Canberra. It's the only real work there except for, for army stuff. So I had a role in Canberra. It was for one of my colleagues' clients. And I actually called a guy um, as a candidate, quite a senior level. Um, and he, he was moving companies and he wanted me to meet with him. So I met with him in probably March. So probably about six months after I started. Um, and then I started working with them, with that, that consultancy um, and recruiting for them. So within 12 months, I was making placements in security. Yeah. Um, but but oh, it was, it, it's a tough nut to crack. It's, um, security professionals by nature are very paranoid. Yeah. Um, the majority of them aren't on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and so it, it involves a lot of, I guess... Uh, talking um and understanding the market as well i think it i spent a lot of time researching the market and it, the, the way that i looked at it security is like the good guys and bad guys so that's where my my tagline comes from linkedin yeah it's, it is it is attackers v defenders and it's that kind of mentality of like a we are against them the good against the bad mentality so that really interested me spent a lot of time researching the industry finding out trends and and what was going on and um i guess getting myself up to some kind of technical know-how um mm. because these guys are quite hard to impress and they're quite hard to get on side initially so okay. i guess trying to get myself up to speed with with cyber security as an industry um was was probably what i spent most of my time on okay so you really doubled down on obviously getting really informed and obviously understanding their world. Yeah. So I guess what, but obviously you said there just, just out of interest. So tough nut to crack. I mean, that makes sense if it's, yeah. it's sort of government agencies, these types of things. I can imagine these people are really strict yeah. and tight PSLs and these types of things. So I guess like how, what was the BD strategy then? So obviously you, you got the opportunity through the, one of your colleagues who you met and then you ended up doing some work yeah. with, but how were you trying to big yeah. open up accounts? Like, how, yeah, how did oh, you it just that? it was approaching approaching um, I guess quite naively going straight to the the CISOs, the Chief Information Security Officers, okay. basically with a, a really poorly written email um, <laughs> trying to get their attention, like uh, please talk to me, Mister CISO, without kind of understanding their role and their their sure. position, but in my mind thinking, oh, they're at the top of the pile, they must be the one to go for. Um, and then I, I honestly quite early on it was inbound, so I. I quite early on, um, I guess caught, caught the right time of LinkedIn and, and was sharing a little bit of content, was commenting on stuff and, and having an input, um, and very quickly uh, started to get referrals from old candidates, 
candidates turn clients was a big one, but actual pure BD, like I, I wasn't cold calling because if you cold call uh, someone with a security clearance while they're on site at a government department, you very, very quickly get hung up on. <laughs> um, I can and they do not they they block your number within about three seconds of seeing it so okay um yeah it was it was very much network focused referrals and, and candidates turn clients was a big one okay so then obviously you mentioned there around linkedin inbound these types of things so let's so going, going into your second year then what, what did the second year look like for mitch and how did <clears throat> was there a particular sort of turning point where do you know what i mean how how did that plan out in yeah. the second year to, to be honest, I, I kind of was, I, I got, and, and <laughs> Phil, if he's listening, if he does listen to this, we'll be laughing. Um, I got kind of a bit complacent because I was, I was doing a little bit. I was meeting a few clients. I was making a little bit of money and I kind of just got like sort of coasted for a bit. So okay. it was probably a period where I, I spent more time focusing on the security than I did recruitment. That's interesting. Um, and so I probably spent a lot more time um, with these clients, focusing on what they do, really trying to understand their role within the business um, and the roles that I was hiring. I was spending way too long making sure I understood every little nuance of the role and, and understood it inside and out. So second year I did all right and was doing a lot more within security. He was doing a lot more just general IT as well, like infrastructure roles. Um, which do cross over with with security quite a lot. A lot of infrastructure guys go into security. A lot of security guys are from an infrastructure background. Um, so I was doing a lot more in in that space as well. How did, how did, how did you real, how did you realize better. that you was, ultimately what you're saying there, mate, is that you realized that you was probably doing a bit more research, a bit more talking because I'm assuming that you knew that it was going to be difficult to do the the legwork. Oh, hundred percent. You know what and I mean? I think, so how I think did you realize really, you was avoiding yeah. that? Um, I think I just, I got really focused on and really, uh, not paranoid is the wrong word, really hung up on the fact that these guys are, they're a very special type of IT guy. Like mm. they're not, you're, they're not sitting at a help desk resetting passwords. They're not, they're not doing, they're not doing general IT stuff. These guys are, are running the security for, for banks, for, for whatever it may be. And they are ultimately the, the front line, second line, third line of defense for, for that organization. And I think I got quite hung up on that. These guys wouldn't want to talk to me. Yeah. So I probably got a little bit, a little bit scared of the phone almost for, for really? a period of time. And then one, one day it just clicked and I was like, look, I know what I'm talking about and it, it, enough now to have these conversations. So I started picking up a few clients outside of Sydney, looked uh, f- further afield to some of the other states in uh, Australia. Um, and yeah, I had a bit of success over in Perth where there's a lot of mines and all that kind of stuff where security is paramount. Um, and so, yeah, started doing a bit of work over there, a bit of work in the government departments. Um, and yeah, really, the second year was much better, mate. It was uh, a much more realized sort of, once I got over this, oh, these security guys don't want to talk to me, I kind of sort of found my rhythm a little bit and, and yeah, was, was doing okay. Okay, so I, went, I, I definitely went through a similar thing when I was starting to pick up the phone for business development and these types of things. So I guess just before yeah. we move on from that, obviously you said it just clicked, but what, what do you think were some of the contributing factors to you getting over that? Because I feel like anyone listening may be going through that right now or has experienced that. So just, just yeah. on that, was there any, anything that to sort of, the, anything to find Yeah, any, any, I, yeah, maybe not one moment, but you think that just really contributed to that, you going, you know what, like, right. I, I, yeah, yeah, I back I myself now. I, I think it was, yeah, of course. And no, I think I, I made a couple of uh, good placements with, with hiring managers that I knew had, um, I guess I knew their opinion was, was validated. Yeah. Um, a couple of people that were ex advisors to the government and stuff like that and, and got some really good feedback from them. And they, 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 I think they kind of put my I guess worries or stresses at ease by just reinforcing that I was doing a good job. Yeah. Um, and, and making me realize that I actually did understand things a little bit more than, than I perhaps thought I did. Yeah. Um, but I, I I, I guess it, understanding the industry at a real deep level is, is what was, 100% got me where I am um, at Q1 today. It's it's having that, I, and I believe again, it's industry dependent. A lot of I, I've never recruited in many other areas, so it's hard for me to say. But in this industry, especially if you're not an expert, you're you're, you're not valued um, yeah. at all. Um, so it's so, a confidence yeah, I don't think, thing. There wasn't like a confidence, a confidence thing, mate, for sure. Yeah, um, and that's the that's the thing. I guess we, we were going to touch on the differences with Australia and London. Mm. There's a much, much, much less salesy focus on recruitment over here 
Really? It's, it's not transactional. There's, there's no transactional element of it whatsoever. Um, and I think I've, I work with a couple of really, really good recruiters at the minute, um, uh, the, the Jays, um, and they both recruited heavily in London and, and having spoke to them in depth about the details, um, God, I, I don't think I could, I don't think I could recruit over there. Um, it sounds like it's, it's a very fast paced, competitive, um, it, it's very much who gets their first kind of mentality. And okay. I think over, over here and, and certainly within Melbourne and Sydney, it's, it's definitely less about that and more about relationships why do you think that is um, i don't know mate i think it's because it's a much less saturated market mm. um looking at just the numbers of recruitment companies in in england compared to australia i, I don't know the figures but i would imagine it was a very very sure. minor percentage um and i think that's that's just that that comes with the territory i mean as you mentioned before english people in australia recruiting that is uh that is the most cliche of all cliches <laughs> um i don't there, there's a there's a few very good um australian recruiters my director's um australian but the the vast majority of the industry is is definitely uh expats from the uk so if you just go back and do anything differently yeah what would you do knowing what you know now in terms of the confidence piece, stuff like that, what, what would, what, what would I, you say to yourself or do differently? I, I would definitely look at what the successful people around me are doing. Nice. Um, there was a guy that I worked with at the time who, who made a lot of money. He was doing it sales. Um, and I remember thinking, damn, I should have gone into that cause he was making good money. Um, and he was very LinkedIn focused and this was again, 2016. So mm. kind of, I guess maybe at the time when it was just, I don't know when you started your videos, but it was probably around probably a little bit, what a little bit before that. Um, yeah. well, so, I, I started sharing videos in like, uh, uh, middle to late of 2017. So it was before then. Oh, there you go. So before then, and he, he wasn't doing videos, but he was, he was getting involved and, and sharing articles and, and commenting and stuff and I, I wish i had um uh, watched the people around me that were billing and and sort of copied them a little bit and taken the bits that i think worked really well and, and implemented them into my own arsenal early on mm, no, I, think I, think, I, was, I think that's um, great advice it's come up quite a few I think times i thought it, it was going to be but yeah well the thing is i think i i think i also um underestimated how difficult it was going to be mm. i mean we all know recruitment isn't the hardest job in the world when you know what you're doing, mm. but when you don't know what you're doing, um, it's, I, I think I assumed because I had recruited so much in when I was at the, the travel shop, I assumed it was going to be like that. And, and it's, it really isn't. Um, so I think, yeah, watching the people around me would definitely be something I'd do, uh, differently. Okay. And then, um, just to help me out then. So then you went into year three yeah. What at what part? What period did you um, go? Then move over to Melbourne in that third year. So it was it was at the end. So if if we go, it was around. So uh, um, financial years here go till the end of June. Okay. So if I talk, basically the last financial year just gone. Um, yeah. That was kind of when I, I realised I I was I could actually do the job. Um, and that's when it kind of all turned around. I, I picked up a, again, inbound, a guy messaged me on, um, on LinkedIn He connected with me. He was the, the director of a company consulting company. And, um, yeah, I had a chat with him on, on LinkedIn and then met up with him and it turned out that I ended up having a really, really good relationship with him and one of the other part sales partners and did oh, 60 or 70 placements through them in a 12 month period. Uh, 60 or 70. Yeah, we did. We did. Jesus. Um, yeah, it was, I reckon over, it was probably just probably about 15 months. Um, we, okay. we, we did 60 odd. So yeah, we, we just found a really good relationship. That wasn't, they did a, a fair few security roles, but a lot of um, uh, IT infrastructure roles as well. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of found my groove and that was all contractors. Um, so quick, fast paced, getting mm. them moving in, moving out, set up a couple of service desks, um, sort of six to eight, eight plus people. So that was like volume recruiting, which I hadn't done before, um, volume and scale. So yeah, it's so kind that of more the project, and then more the project work. Yeah, that 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 that's what I, I kind of found my groove with, and then moved to Melbourne, and 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 I guess that's when I really I would probably say March this year is when I really really started investing in my personal brand, mm. um, started realizing that that 
for, for good or worse, um, I was starting to get noticed in the security industry. People would, would come up to me at events and be like, oh, you're, the, you're that bearded guy from LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's me. I'll, I'll take that. So, yeah, I guess it was, it was really getting to Melbourne and realizing that the industry was much less saturated in Melbourne than it is in Sydney. And I realized that I could have a real difference in, okay. in Melbourne that I couldn't do up there. Okay. So how did you do billions wise year three, mate? Um, I did all right. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but yes, you do. It was, uh, it was all right. No, I did. Okay. (laughs) But I, I mean, the, the, I've really, really sort of hit my groove now. So this quarter, the last quarter of this, this calendar year, I've built about one and a half times what I did in my last year at continuum. Really? So yeah so, so what, did you did you break really the 200k mark into place what give us a bit of context um, mate come on no i was i probably did i don't know about 130 okay 140 um low margin contract work the the guy was was a very good mate of mine who i i did a lot of the work with and i, I used to do him a lot of favors and cut my rate quite extensively um okay. so yes it was high volume but but low low margin but yeah now i've, I've um i'm I'm yeah one and a half times that now so okay yeah so quarter really hit my groove now I've kind of realized what I'm doing yeah (laughs) so no so you you met you've mentioned it a couple of times so how long how long do you think it's taken you to because obviously it's becoming even more and more um prevalent now in terms of sort of LinkedIn and and not like when you started out just sending in personalized emails and stuff like that so you mentioned it a few times let's let's speak about it so how long would you say it's taken you to to really start generating inbound business for your desk, which clearly suits you and what you're about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would comfortably say it's been 12 months. Um, if not a little bit more. Wait, wait, what do you mean? 12 months of, of, are you talking about creating content? Yeah. No, no. So I'm I'm getting the inbound. I'm talking about from when you started in recruitment, and then it seemed oh, like sorry. you sort of did it. Yeah. You did it sort of sporadically or without you even knowing or whatever. How long oh, do you it think took, it took? It took to eighteen, like, yeah, eighteen to twenty-four months comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an industry. It's not a. It's not a job you can pick up on day one. I mean, it's it's there. There are people that are very good. We we've just hired a couple of really good resources who who seem to just get it. Um, but oh, personally, oh, it took me 18, 18 months, I reckon, before I actually clicked. Of oh, so this is how this job works. Yeah. Um, what was you yeah, doing in that uh, period then to help get to the point where you was getting more and more stuff through LinkedIn? What sort of stuff were you doing? Um, I, I guess the standard hoping, putting a job ad up and hoping for the best, mm. um, which, which in, in this, in this industry, like I don't advertise anymore. Um, yeah, and I know that will probably cause a slight upset with some people, but I, I don't advertise in, in this industry here um we we tend to find that that a lot of the people that we get applying are the same people that applied to the last 10 adverts yeah um but yeah i reckon i was doing i was relying too much on job adverts doing less um i, I hate the word but headhunting yeah um so doing less going for the right people and kind of just putting an advert up and hoping for the best really um but yeah i think i think it probably took a good 18 months to to fully understand what the role sort of entailed yeah. Um, and how to be successful as well okay so for people for people listening that are probably recognizing that that's not as effective anymore they're, they're especially in the australian yeah. market that it's become more and more important that you do more with the linkedin tool and these types of things so i guess yeah what what's your advice for them if they're starting out if they're at that sort of yeah they're at that starting point what if would you say to if those you're people? starting out i guess yeah, I guess I, again, I can only, I haven't got experience over in the UK, but it's definitely for Australia. If you're starting out in, in IT recruitment, I think building your, your online presence, building your online brand, um, giving, uh, w- without expecting anything in return. So whether you're, whether you're sharing the odd, like whether you're sharing the odd thought, sharing what, what you've experienced, sharing what your day to day is. So sharing the struggles that you've had, especially if you're, you're early on in, in recruitment, um, and, and making yourself uh, a person online, I guess, giving yourself that personality so that when it comes to building a desk or in clients, you can rely on the fact that people think they know you before they actually have met you. Mm. And I said this to you, mate, when we first started chatting, however many years ago, yeah. I said, I've, I'd watched your videos and, and listened to the early couple of podcasts. And I felt like we were mates before we'd even spoke. Mm. And I think having that, 
doing that from day one in a, in a new recruitment role, I think would be vital. I think if you could do that and, and you could spend six months really, really caring about the interactions you're having online, the content you're producing, you don't have to do videos. Videos are great. I think, I mean, they really get your personality across. Um, but whether it's written content, whether it's posts, whether it's articles, whatever you're doing, do something to, to build that presence. Um, and I think within six months of doing that, along with obviously learning the, the, the tricks of the trade, I think you'd put yourself in a really good position to, to actually have a good first year. So how, how, how has that, how has that helped you be, how has that helped you make more money? Oh, um, it, it's the, it's the no, uh, I don't really know the word for it. It's the familiarity factor. I would probably say is the biggest Why does thing. that help? So because people think people trust you more because they have seen you speak online. They have seen your posts. They have seen you be honest about the industry or call people out. Like I call people's shit out quite a lot. And okay. I, I used to a lot more before, before Q1. I'm, I'm a lot more professional online now. Um, but, but doing something to, to make people realize you're, you're not a resume flinging cowboy sitting, um, behind a desk with no face and no personality when you meet people and they go, Oh yeah, I've seen some of the stuff you do. It's great. Or, um, Oh, you're that guy that I've seen a video of or, or whatever it is. I mean, I've, I've not shared that much content, um, o- over the time. I, I definitely need to start doing more. I've actually had three people in the last 24 hours say, can you put some more, more content out? <laughs> but if I was, if I was getting into recruitment, the, the number one thing I'd be doing is, is, is really giving yourself really showing your personality off online. Mm. Um, if you've obviously, if you've got a good personality, but if you've got a good personality and you're, you're, you've, you've got a bit about you, then I think it gives you that instant connection with someone you've never met. Um, mm. and, and someone that you, you might not have ever met if it wasn't for the fact that they saw you do something good or put something good out there or help someone and, and things like that. Yeah, no, I think definitely being human, but I think I, I would just add to that, which I think obviously you, you shared quite open, honestly, that maybe you got a bit caught up on. But for me, it, it has to be both in terms of the, the proactive phone, getting rejected, these types of things. And because you, that, 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 that's how you build it as well early on. You've got to pick up the phone, build, try and build as many relationships as possible. And obviously the online yeah. part can just can help you reach more people and you've got but. to get stuff you've got to get stuff wrong as well right mm. i mean i made a lot of mistakes i i i remember when we were working these real estate roles i went through and connected and sent a generic awful note to yeah. every single real estate agent i could find in the areas we were recruiting i'm talking like um, my colleague got banned from linkedin for doing it she had to get linkedin to let her back on <laughs> i was doing it was just awful like i don't know mm. what it thought it was going to help me um, and yeah, making mistakes, doing those things wrong and, and, uh, definitely, definitely help. So you obviously mentioned there that obviously you're, you're in, in line to, to have sort of one of the, one of the best quarters you, you've had yeah. of your recruitment career, right? Definitely. So, I mean, look, you've been in the game for, yeah, three and a half years. So it's taken you sort of a while to get to this point. Definitely. How have you continued to... What, what are some of the things that you think about when I say, how have you continued to push on? You had a challenging first year. Again, yeah. it seems like again, I think, challenging second, third year. So what, what, what's made you carry yeah. on and, and push on? Yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 I did all right in the, the, the sort of second and, and, and early part of the third year. And like I say, I've just kind of picked it up now, I guess the, the industry that I'm, that I'm working in, um, I, I don't, I don't want to be the top biller. I don't want to make the most money. I, I'm, I don't care about, uh, closing a deal if it's potentially a little bit unethical or or if i feel like i'm act, like pushing someone a little bit um I, I would rather sit as a as a ha- happy billet billing okay doing all right um and just enjoying the industry that i'm in i think that's the biggest thing for me i think you don't enjoy what you're recruiting and you don't i think i, I think a big thing and what people don't think about is if you don't understand what you're recruiting from the moment you start it will take you a lot longer to be good Mm. Um, I think if I had started recruiting in, in sales, for instance, something I've done all my life, I think I would have had it easier. And I think I would have, I potentially would have made more money, um, because it's something I already understood. I think going into an industry, which is so different and so, uh, technical compared to what I've done my whole life. I think that probably, uh, put, put me at a, a disadvantage, but I enjoyed recruiting in it so much. And I enjoyed, I enjoy every day talking about security and, and talking about what's going on. And, and with, with things like want to cry that happened back in 2017 and, mm. and, and, uh, attacks that 
sort of ransomware attacks or, or malware attacks that, that affected a large population and got people talking about it. Um, I, I just think it's the industry that I work in. It's, it's, that's, that's my, I guess, my, where my real passion is. So you're um, saying what, looking, what's made you push on is the fact that every time you did finally get through to someone, have a decent conversation, it's something that you got yeah, really exactly. excited about and actually and, really And I had it. a couple of good clients and, and I, I had a couple of good clients that I used to do bits with when they needed. And it was good that I was, I was their only recruiter for a while. So I went through probably 12 months where I was doing all of their recruiting. It wasn't, wasn't high volume, but it was all their perm stuff in, in an intelligence agency. That was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, just, just having the conversations about security and about industry where it's going and all this kind of stuff, I guess is what made me just carry on and plod through it. And I guess not wait for the right time, but, but, it's taken time, but now I found the, I guess the swing that I want to be in. And, and I, I love looking back at the the first few people I placed who one of them's only recently left after like three years. Um, and looking back and realizing that those people were the right people for that organization at that time. Um, mm. I think such a satisfactory, such a satisfaction. Mm. Um, uh, so just, just cause I've, I've got my thoughts on this. Like you obviously spoke about it quite a bit. So being an expert in your field, I mean, that, for me, that, I mean, you don't get paid to do what they do. So, like, where, no. where, does, where does the line stop there? Like, what, what do, do you know what I mean? Because there's, cause that, yeah, no, I think that can also prevent a lot Massively. of people if that's talking online or whatever because they don't think they're an expert. But for me, don't you think get paid. Yeah, like, yeah. where does the no, line No, I totally understand. That? I guess, I, guess I, 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 I use that analogy wrong. I don't think you have to be an expert, but I think you have to know enough and care enough about what you're recruiting mm. to, to, for your clients to look at you and go, oh, this guy actually gives, gives a shit. Um, this guy actually, oh, this guy actually cares. Like he, he actually, and I think again, I I think it's because I'm recruiting such a a paranoid small industry where everyone knows everyone. And it's very, it's very much done on, I guess, not being an expert, but actually caring about the industry, knowing the industry, knowing the roles you're recruiting and what their not positioning the businesses, but what their actual role is, what their day to day is, what they're responsible for. Mm. Um, I don't think you need to be an, I don't, I'm not an expert in security by any means, but could, could I sit down with, with a, a head honcho of, of a bank and, and have a good chat with him about the industry? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, cool. and I think it's, it's, it's being able to know what his team size is, what he's got in his team, who does what. I think that's, I guess, understanding it enough, but I just have a real passion for it. And I, I will, I will forever be in this industry, whether it's recruiting or otherwise I'll forever be here. No, no, that's good. I just wanted to make that difference because I think I have those conversations on a daily basis, obviously particularly on the sort of content side and, and the real yeah. big challenge for a lot of people is that they don't feel like they're sort of um, informed enough or not in a position to talk about cybersecurity because they're not an expert and these types of things. But I think, yeah, no, I'm glad no, I just wanted to make that, make that clear. So No, definitely. Um, but I think as well, there's, there's whether you can actually, like I can't share content about the technical side of security, but I can share my thoughts on, on things like passwords, like mm. something like that, which people have their, their dog's name and, and their one, two, three or password one, two, three. I can talk about that. And, and you don't have to be qualified to realize that there are bad passwords in the world. <laughs> and, you, and your clients like that content. They, they have a chuckle at it and it's something that, that they can relate to. And again, when they see you, they go, oh, there's that guy that shared that funny thing about passwords. Mm. So it, it, I, I totally understand people's hesitation, but don't try and be an expert if you're not. Um, and, and people will respect you for it. So... If I'm listening right now, and I'm uh, I'm I'm someone that's I spoke to a chap the other day who's uh, in the process of um, moving to Australia. So obviously you, um, so what? What? Any any advice to people that obviously if you're moving from the UK because I know obviously they they changed yeah. visas and it's it's more difficult than it was or whatever. However, what obviously you living there for quite a few years now, it'd be good just to get your sort of perspective on what people should be thinking about um, if they're thinking of moving over to Australia. Um, What's your sort of advice around that? Yeah, no, it's a great, great topic. Um, uh, Like I said earlier, I only came here um, for a holiday initially, just a long break. And uh, I was actually here for three weeks and I remember calling my mum and just saying, uh, yeah, mum, I'm, I'm not coming back. I was only 19 at the time. Um, and I remember calling there going, nah, I'm, I'm definitely not coming home. Um, things to prepare for, I guess uh, the big thing is obviously you're leaving your friends and family. Yeah. Um, being, being away from my family and, and my, mine and my partner's family is the hardest thing. 
um, especially this time of year with it coming up to Christmas. So Christmas is Christmas is not the same. <laughs> Don't yeah. expect to be uh, to be freezing cold and, and listening to Christmas music and looking at Christmas decorations because that don't exist. Um, but no, the the things to prepare for would be, I guess, try and um, try and meet like minded people before you get here. If if you're coming here with a role, I know a lot of recruiters do uh, mm. find roles from the UK and come over. You, you're probably not going to spend much time in a hostel. Um, you're probably not going to spend much time uh, living around groups of people where you're going to get friendship groups. So I think a lot, a lot of what something, uh, something that I know a lot of people struggle with is, especially if they're in their, their early to mid to late twenties, I came over so young and stayed in hostels and you meet people that way. But if you're coming over with a role and, and ready to start a job, uh, my, my biggest thing would be try and find as quick as possible, a, a, a friends or a group of friends outside of work. Mm. Um, I know, I know a, a few people that have come over from the UK with jobs and basically spent six months only knowing the people they work with. Really? So whether you, whether you come over and join a sports team or, or go out a lot or whatever it may be that, that you enjoy something so that you can meet a, a group of, a group of mates that aren't work friends would probably be my number one. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I was hoping you'd speak about that because I mean, you can experience the same it's tough, sort of, mate. It's yeah. tough being this far away. Yeah, but you can you can experience the same thing in London. I'm a, I'm an hour and a half away from home, but again, you you for me, you have to put yourself out there. So so I'm glad of you course. said that. I think you, yeah, especially if you're going into a completely different culture, completely different um, part of the world, then that that's part of what you're signing up for. I feel like yeah, obviously massively. I haven't done it, but um, you got you got to try and really embed yourself in sort of really oh, of immerse course. yourself it's, in it's, it's kind of like going to uni in a way people compare it to going to uni and not knowing anyone but the, the biggest difference is if you're coming out here as a 26 27 year old with a job ready to go in a team of 20 yeah. then very quickly you're going to find somewhere to live that's probably going to be renting off someone renting a room off someone so then you're the only people you know the people you work with and the the one two three people you live with so you very you very quickly will will feel quite i guess alone um except for work friends i mean i've got great mates at work that i met at work um i always have had but i think coming to a new country and not knowing anyone is is a big thing so just put yourself out there before you get here try and actually make some connections and and reach out to people you know that live here or something so that you've got some kind of familiarity uh for Mm. for, for when you get here so what have you seen what do you see again particular to australia best recruiters in australia what do they do well mate that you've seen oh I've I've seen I've seen a couple and I, and I know of a few. I think uh, in the industry I'm in in Melbourne right now, there's there's you've got the recruiters who are very 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 relationship driven. Yeah. Um. And I and I've seen some of the best people uh, that I can think of are very relationship focused. So using using their their uh, relationships within one organization to reach every hiring manager and to get every role that comes and to work every different uh, discipline within the industry, I guess is a big one. Mm. Um, the, the other one would be, I guess, expanding Australia-wide, not relying on on a couple of good clients, but but trying to, to get, enough clients so that you've always got a good stream i guess mm. those those are the things that i've seen with top billers and and again the first guy that i saw that i worked with that was really good he uh used linkedin really well and this mm. was yeah for in 2015-16 what's on this sort of related so it's come off it so obviously you mentioned it a few times that um i mean it seems seems simple doesn't it that but there'll be so many recruiters out there that still are very transactional and 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 these types of things do you get what i mean so i think yeah, a hundred percent, and and that has its place. I mean, like I say, talking to the the, the two lads I work with, that it, it sounds very very tough, um, especially uh, I guess security, which it seems there's a, a lot of people in the UK that do it. There's probably a lot of people that are very good at it, um, and and I can imagine it's probably transactional volume of of I guess what, speed. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, the thing is, like oh, when when I was in recruitment, I. I don't know. I just approached it in in a way where I I was quite easy to think long term. Long I was thinking about the long term, and obviously I definitely made some some shit short term decisions early on. However, <laughs> it, it, it it does just baffle me that there there would be. I guess obviously there's some different factors that go into it, but sort yeah. of that still approach recruitment in that way. That yeah. So I guess what I was just keen to get your thoughts on before we finish is like 
how does that tie into the perception of recruiters in Australia? Is it, do you know what I mean? What, what's that like? Like how, what's, yeah, what does that look like if, if everything's relationship driven and, and what the best recruiters have that approach? So what, what's yeah. the, what's the perception of, of recruiters over in um, Australia? Uh, honestly, I, I, I think that they're, I I know recruiters do have a bad name and, and, and we, we all know that we're, we all spend days, days and days trying to get away from it. I think it, the recruiters are less, I mean, you see all the print screens of people putting recruiters are into Google and seeing scum and, and yeah. cockroaches and all that stuff. I don't think there's that much of that mentality here. Um, I think it, it, again, I can only talk industry specific, really. I don't know for, for other sectors, but at least within this industry, it's much less of a, oh, you're a recruiter mindset. Mm. Um, and I think it's much more that, especially when, when you, where, like I've worked a few really, really tough roles in, in the last couple of months, especially, and, and the hiring managers have, have said multiple times that, that they, and I've never heard this pre the last few months, is, is oh, you actually do have quite a hard job. And when, when they try and when the hiring managers try and recruit themselves, they actually realize that, it, yes, it's a, a fairly easy role, but, but a lot of the stuff we do, is, it's taken a lot of time to actually become good at it. Mm. Um, and I think there's much less of a harsh perception of recruiters in Australia. Um, okay. I could probably say that quite confidently. I, I reckon a lot of Australian recruiters would agree with me. I know the boys I work with definitely agree with me. Yeah, um, okay. That's interesting. Uh, they, they had a lot more hostile conversations in the UK than they've ever had here. <laughs> okay. So before we finish then, what, um, what are you excited about, mate? What's going on in your world? What are you excited about? Oh, mate, I, I, I love the clients I work with at the minute. Um, I'm really, really enjoying um, getting involved. We, we, we work with um, some of the, the, the proper tier one like enterprise size organizations here. Um, and I, I just think getting into those clients and building out teams of people really having an understanding for the client and understanding for what their security posture is and where they want to go and really working sort of in tandem with them to be a partner um, as much as, as just a recruiter. Um, and I think, yeah, just work, working with some really cool clients. I, I work with some awesome, awesome hiring managers um, at the minute that, yeah, I'm just, just loving, loving spending time with them, chatting about the industry. And I think that's the thing. The industry in Melbourne is so community driven. Mm. Um, it's, it, yeah, there's like 5,000 odd people here that, that do security. So it's a real small, tight knit community. Um, and I think I, I'm just really enjoying being able to give back, talking at unis, helping students get into the industry and, and, and doing as much as I can to give back to, to the security industry, I guess, alongside f- filling roles, obviously. You're a nice guy, aren't you, Mitch? I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> so look, a, a question I always ask to, to finish uh, this show is yeah. if, um, if Mitch could communicate to every single recruit out there they take on your advice, they implement it. It could be a phrase, could be a sentence. What would you say <laughs> if they were all listening? Like a catchphrase. Anything. It could be a sentence, a phrase, but if if they could if they would all listen to your advice, what would you say? Yeah. Okay. Um I think imagine I, I, I get I, some, someone has said it to me in the past. It might might have even been you, mate. Um I think the the biggest thing is think about how you're spoke about behind closed doors Mm. and try and make sure that anyone you speak to is speaking about you like that behind closed doors or has been spoken to you like that. I think there's nothing better than hearing from a friend, client, candidate, whatever it is that they've heard good things. And I think everyone likes that, that feeling of, Oh, I've done something to someone that's good enough for them to have said something nice behind closed doors. Mm. And I guess that should be every recruiter's aspiration. I think Mm. do the right thing really invest do in the reputation. right thing actually care about what you're recruiting in don't look at it as oh i've got to fulfill this role to make some money look at it as i'm building out this organization from a whatever perspective it may be hr sales whatever it is and really just care mm. nice mitch it's been a pleasure mate it has mate thank you very much for having me on <laughs>